Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, well, welcome back to the podcast. We are wrapping up the days of creation today, and we've reserved a little bit of extra time for day six and the creation of humans. And today, we're going to be looking at day seven, which is just a little bit different than the other days. There's, there's not a lot said in the text about day seven, but what we have is pretty profound. And we wanted to just take some time to do a little bit of a rabbit trail today and trace some of the themes that are introduced in day seven through the rest of scripture. Because um, this is a cool thing to do with a lot of things in Genesis, that there are themes and words that are introduced, concepts that when you start to see them there, you just see them all through the Bible story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's really cool. Yes, and you can especially do that with a lot of things in Genesis. So we will definitely dig into what the Sabbath is today. And uh, I do just want to mention uh, kind of a review of days one through six. You might remember in the last couple podcasts, we were pointing out how in Genesis 1 verse 2, it tells us that the earth was formless and void and there was darkness over the surface of the deep. And so you kind of have those three things that's presented about the earth, formless, void, and dark. And God will continue throughout the days of creation in the first six days to fix those things. So the earth is formless, but God is going to give form to it. It was void or empty, and God will continue to fill it. And of course it was dark, but then it will become light, and God will give the sun and the moon and the stars to light it up. Yeah, and in the first three days, of creation correspond to the formless part. He is kind of separating and forming. Okay, see, waters, you go over there. You know, sky over here. And then days four, five, and six, he is filling those things. And days one, two, and three correspond to days four, five, and six, like day one, day four, day two, day five, day three, day six. And so um, there's a lot of structure in this first chapter of the Bible that's really cool to see. And again, those six sit real tight together, which leads us to day seven, which is just a different kind of day. Just interesting to see how this uh, how this works. Yeah, so it might be good for us to just go ahead and read these first three verses of chapter two. It is funny to me. It's not the greatest chapter break. Um, already messed the that one up. The <laughs> very first chapter break in the Bible. Missed it by three verses. Yes. So starting back in chapter 1 and verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So it is a concluding statement, and this is really going to be kind of a breaking point. The next part of the narrative will begin in chapter 2, verse 4, where we'll say these are the generations of the heavens and earth, and we're going to kind of rewind a little bit, and we'll talk more about that next week. But day 7 is the completion. Uh, Everything has been done. God has not left anything out that he intended to do in these six days, and creation is perfect. It is exactly the way God made it to be. And so the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, uh, or the idea of like all the innumerable things that yeah. God's created in those six days. 
And then the seventh day, so it is called the seventh day. Um, but one thing that's interesting about this is we don't have some of the repeated choruses um, it, that we have in the other six days. Um, like God separates, although there's a sense in which he separates the seventh day when he makes it holy in just a minute. Um, but it doesn't say, and there is evening and there is morning, uh, a seventh day. The seventh day ends up being presented almost as a perpetual day. Um, and again, not literally, I don't think, but the way it's presented doesn't have that beginning and end point like the other six days do. It's like, okay, creation's done. The work's done. And now God gets to rest and his creation gets to enjoy what he's made. Yeah, and God, in a way, will enjoy what he made as well. That was the in original intent of everything that God made was for his glory. And ultimately, we'll get into this in the next podcast, but God's intentions was to dwell with his people and to have a relationship with them, and he would be glorified in that. And so there's this sense of perpetual rest, like Stephen is talking about, which really foreshadows for us a final rest that's going to occur for us, which is what we want to talk about in today's podcast. Yeah. So as we think about the idea of rest in the Bible, um, it starts right here where it says that God finished his work. So that's like the idea of like he's, he's done work, 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 six days, and now he's completed it. The task is done. And then it says he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. That's just a side note here. I appreciate how often it says he had done, he mm -hmm. had done, he had done. This is about God. We Humans did not have a hand in any of this. Uh, this is God's creation, his handiwork, his glory is what comes out of this. But it says that he rested on the seventh day. So this is, if I understand correctly, the Hebrew word Shabbat. Mm -hmm. And it is where we get the word for Sabbath. Um, so the, the, that word in Hebrew means to stop, to cease. And so it's like he, he did, 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 did. And then the seventh day he Shabbated. He stopped working on the seventh day. Now this is, of course, in God's case, not because he's tired or because, whew, man, like, I just have to take a break. You know, I got more work to do, but I I just uh, ran out of energy to do that. No, uh, God is doing this very intentionally. Everything in creation is intentional. And this is going to become a pattern uh, in the rest of Scripture. And so it's kind of cool to see how this, uh, how this plays out. But it is just interesting to note that that word for God rested, he stopped, he, he shabbated, if you will, uh, on the seventh day here. Yeah, and so, of course... This idea of, of resting on the seventh day, as the Jews would do, that isn't commanded until later in Scripture. And so the rest of the book of Genesis, this word for resting, it's not used in sense of like, oh, well, then Abraham rested on the seventh day. He wasn't doing any of that. That wasn't commanded at this point. Um, and so it's important to remember up until this point, the only thing that's been revealed is that God rests on the seventh day. And there is a, w a way in which it is sanctified, it is holy, it is set apart but we really don't know what that means yet. That comes later in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm, that's right. So um, God creates the world in, in six days, but then the seventh day completes this sequence. And so this is the kind of the first number seven we find in the Bible. And it's going to be interesting to see how many of those sevens come back to the idea of completion. This is the day on which God completed or finished his work. And so the number seven in the Bible is going to become a symbolic number of completion or perfection. 
And uh, this goes back to the seven days of creation. The seventh day completes it. It's not just working, but it is resting and enjoying that completes the the creation sequence. Um, So what we're going to see happen here is kind of this opens up a theme through the rest of Scripture. And, um, of course, after Genesis 3, the rest, the the perfection is broken by sin. The the problem is introduced to the plot, and the rest of the story is going to be resolving this problem of sin and the brokenness of creation, which will wrap up in not until the things prophesied in Revelation. But um, one interesting connection we're going to see in a few chapters is with Noah, uh, which is one of the first big events where God is cleansing the earth. But Noah, his name is actually one of the Hebrew words for rest or relief. It's not the same word as Shabbat. Um, But in Genesis 5, uh, verse 29, uh, we'll start in verse 28. It says, When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief, which is that word Noah, or Nuach, I think is in the, the Hebrew, from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. So there's like this hope, all right, man, like we had rest in the garden and now we don't have rest. The ground is cursed. We have to work and toil all the time. But maybe Noah is going to bring us relief. He's going to bring us rest. And we're going to see that is not ultimately the case. Right. God does cleanse the earth and that that's foreshadowing uh, of what's going to happen in the end. But even then, Noah and his family sin, right. and there's some disappointing things that happen after the flood. So what we're seeing is, is there's a partial rest. There's a way in which there's some, but it, there is not a ultimate fulfillment of rest. And that really sets up well what the rest of the Bible is going to play out uh, moving on into the Exodus. I mean, after that generation that rises up and... Um, of course, the Pharaoh didn't know Joseph, and they eventually end up becoming slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Very obviously a hard thing to go through. It was, you know, they had to labor. They went through hard things as slaves. But then Moses comes in, and he delivers them and is promising them that they're going to go to a land filled with milk and, ho- milk and honey. And so there is a rest coming after all of their labor. That's exactly what we're talking about with God. God worked for six days, and then there was a rest. Noah, he worked for the ark, and then there was this rest. And then the same thing is going to be true of the children of Israel, that there is going to be rest coming um, from all of the suffering and the hard things that they went through. Yeah. And so what's interesting about that Exodus generation is the actual first mention of the Sabbath day itself is in Exodus 16 when they're in the wilderness and God is first sending the manna. And he tells them how, how the manna is going to work. There's going to be six days. You're going to go out in the morning and there's just going to be this bread on the ground. There it is. Take it. But the rule is on the sixth day, you gather twice as much. Because here's what he says in Exodus 16 verse 23. He said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And so it's, it's, it's made holy. <laughs> but for all of these years, these centuries before, there's not been a formal observation of resting on the Sabbath day that mm-hmm. we know of. 
But here, it's now say, okay, with the mana, we're going to start this seven-day cycle going again. Six days, you gather. And really, it isn't even them working. It's just going out and gathering what God's given. But on the seventh day, there's not going to be any manna on the seventh day. It's a holy stop. It's a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And so you're not going to do any work on that day. And later, this will become one of the Ten Commandments, right? Um, In Exodus 20, when God is with his people at Mount Sinai, and he thunders his voice off the mountain, Exodus 20 in verse 8 He will say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, female servant, livestock, sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in the Ten Commandments, God says, y'all remember the Sabbath. Uh, keep the Sabbath. Don't do any work on that seventh day because that's what God did in creation. So he goes back to those first six days and says, those are the days you work like God did, and on the seventh day you rest like God did. Yeah. And so Israel, even one when they're wandering in the wilderness, this was the expectation for them, and God gave provision for them to, to collect as much as they needed so that they could rest on the Sabbath day. But, of course, as that generation is making their way through the wilderness and they get to the land of promise and they send some spies in to go see it. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Like just real quick, before we, before we get into the conquest, I just wanted to mention Deuteronomy 5 real quick because what's interesting is for that Exodus generation, the, the generation that would go into the land, Moses is talking to them in Deuteronomy 5, and he gives the Ten Commandments all over again. But one difference is in the reason for the Sabbath command. In Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15, he repeats the same thing we just read. But look at the end, verse 15. Instead of saying, in six days God created the world, he says this, Deuteronomy 5, 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so, the Exodus was a form of Sabbath that God gave to his people. He yes. said, hey, remember that God let you stop from your slave labor, your work, and now you're free. Yeah. And so you're ushered into the Lord's Sabbath. And so that's why you need to stop every seven days is to remember when the Lord allowed you to stop your work as slaves in Egypt. And so, yeah, and we'll just pause there to emphasize how much of a blessing the Sabbath would have been to get a day off. You don't have to work, but you rest. Um, your meal prep has already been done with the manna already being there. And then thirdly, it's just a day to think about, man, we were slaves in Egypt, but look where God brought us. God brought us out of that. Sounds like a pretty good day, doesn't it, Stephen? Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a blessing. Yeah. Remember that because there's going to be some people who didn't think that the Sabbath was a blessing that Jesus is going to have to talk to. So the children of Israel, they get to the land of promise. Um, they send the spies in, and of course, 10 of them said, we can't take it. Two of them did, Joshua and Caleb. And that generation, as a punishment for their lack of faith in, in the Lord, they do not get to go into the land. But Joshua and Caleb and the generation after that go into the land of promise, with Joshua being the one that leads them into the land. And there wasn't initial rest to get to the land, but there was a lot of work. 
they had to go in and drive out all of these nations that were in there. Remember, God had told Joshua and the people, if you don't drive these people out, they're going to be like thorns in your sides. Um, they're going to be like having irritating stuff in your eyes. You know, you have to drive these people out. And so the book of Joshua is mostly about those conquests and them going in and, and ripping and tearing through those areas and kicking these people out. It's about the division of the land as it goes through the different tribes. And then there is eventually rest that came after that. But there was first work that had to be done. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting pattern we're going to see is that the rest consistently comes after a lot of work that gets that has to be done where get through the six days but one of the things that motivates you to get through the six days of work is that hey there's rest coming Mm -hmm. we're going to get relief we're going to be able to stop all this hard work and that helps you do the work when you know rest is coming and so there's going to be a, a repeated theme here so once they come into the land and they're given rest from their enemies it's all been conquered um eventually uh, you got the cycle of the judges that comes up where there's not rest because of their sin and then god keeps giving them relief through the judges you get to the time of the united kingdom uh where things get a little more centralized uh god gives them saul initially who starts out good does not end up good at all but then you have david and this is a special time in israel's history when like so many things are kind of coming together and God is working in some particular ways through David that are really going to foreshadow the rest of the Bible story. But one of the interesting things that happens here is that he has David write one of the Psalms, Psalm 95. And the timing of this is going to become significant later on. It's interesting. So David is writing this Psalm that's really initially about worship. Come, let us uh, sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. But what's interesting is he's going to talk about their hearts. And like when we come to God to worship, we need to not harden our hearts. And so David is going to look back and reflect on what happened to the wilderness generation and the hard hearts that they had that prevented them from going into the land of Canaan. So this is David writing in Psalm 95. And look at what it says, at the, starting at the, the last phrase of verse 7. Psalm 95 at the end of verse 7. He says, Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. So he ends the psalm talking about this idea of rest, And in the negative here, he says, because of their hardness of heart, God did not let them go into the rest. They'd come out of slavery. They'd come through the hard time in the wilderness, but because of their disbelief, they were not able to enter the rest of Canaan. Now, what's interesting about this is that the New Testament is going to pick up on this and say, listen, David was writing this after the time of Joshua. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was exhorting his generation to listen to the Lord's voice today. That that word today comes up in Psalm 95. And the author will point out, hey, Joshua gave them some rest, but he did not give them ultimate rest. Otherwise, David wouldn't have talked about a rest yet to come. 
And so where is that ultimate rest found in? Well, obviously, it's found in Jesus Christ. That, that was his whole purpose. That was why he came. And what's really cool to tie Joshua and Jesus together, those are actually the same name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which is really cool. Joshua is Yeshua. The, it, yeah, exactly. And then Jesus um, is the, kind of the New Testament version of that. And so there's several statements in the New Testament that make it clear that Jesus is our rest. What order do you want to do this in, Stephen? Do you want to do Matthew 11 first, or do you want to do uh, Mark 3 first? Um, let's let's start with Matthew 11. Okay. That just this is the the promise of Jesus. Uh, the end of this chapter, and he's actually just said some pretty hard things about unrepentant cities with hard hearts, that they're not going to enter the rest. Uh, there's judgment coming for them. But then he invites the weary to come to him. And again, this is where the whole arc of Scripture has been building up to Jesus. And so he cries out in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's some of the most comforting and powerful words in all of scripture. And in part because we all feel this tension of like, we're exhausted, we're tired. We're in this broken world, we're longing for Sabbath, in a sense. We're longing for true rest, to stop from all of our labor and toil and striving and to be at peace. And Jesus says, the only place you're going to find that is in me. I'm the one inviting you and offering you true rest for your souls. And so Jesus is there as the, the culmination of this. I'm the one able to actually give you rest. It's a powerful invitation. Yeah. But what's interesting is throughout Jesus' ministry, there's a lot of debate over rest and the Sabbath and right. what all this was. And we can just stay right there in, in Matthew's account because the very next chapter is Jesus out with his disciples picking some grain in the grain fields on the Sabbath day. I never even realized it's the very next story in Matthew. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that till we flipped over here. Um, I will reference something that's in Mark's gospel that's not in Matthew's gospel here. But as Matthew's, you know, plays out the story... Jesus gets accosted by the Pharisees. They're all upset. Well, you guys are working on the Sabbath day because they're picking a little bit of grain in their hands. And Jesus will kind of get into that whole thing about David. And uh, whenever he was on the run from Saul, he went in and ate the consecrated bread that was unlawful for him to eat. And there's a whole lot of reasons why I think Jesus brought that up. But I want to more so focus in on what Jesus says in verse 6 of Matthew 12. He says, But I say to you, that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is coming in with a whole lot of authority here and is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Maybe another way to say that is, I am the Lord of rest. There is ultimate and true rest that is coming through Jesus Christ. And one of the things in Mark's gospel that it says Jesus said in the same interaction is that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The mm -hmm. Sabbath's original intent was to be a blessing, but the Pharisees had turned it into a curse. Um, and Jesus, later on in this chapter, in Matthew chapter 12, is going to talk to them 
uh, he's going to say, what man is there among you who has a sheep and if it falls into the pit on a Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? And how much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And Jesus is going to make it clear um, that the Sabbath is to be a blessing, but the Pharisees had turned it into a curse. And so Jesus came to restore the true intent and vision of Shabbat, not only in this seventh day of rest for the Jewish people, but ultimately through the rest that's going to come through him as the Son of Man. That's right. And, and it's just fascinating to see how these Old Testament themes just weave their way right into the New Testament and how we've made a mess of things. Um, Jesus is trying to help them see the true meaning of the laws that he gave in the Old Testament. And one of the things that we see happening here is the Sabbath, it was about resting, but it was also about deliverance. Just like we talked about in Deuteronomy 5, they were to observe the Sabbath because God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Jesus on the Sabbath day is healing people. He is freeing people from bondage to their diseases and disabilities. And that's part of what the Sabbath was all about. Uh, in John chapter 5, there will be the, the, the lame man there in the, 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 by the pool. And they're mad because he's telling them to carry his bed on the Sabbath. But Jesus says, my father has been working until now, and I am working. Like, the work of deliverance is the work of the Sabbath. <laughs> and so it's fascinating to see, again, how all these themes come into the New Testament. And in particular, during the time of Jesus, just how many times the Gospels record him doing things on the Sabbath day and what all that meant. Yes, exactly. And so this would be a good opportunity for us to look over at Hebrews 3 and 4. This is something that Stephen was referring to earlier when we were talking about Psalm 95. The Hebrew writer will use those same verses that Stephen read for us there out of Psalm 95 to make the case to these same people that are being tempted to fall away from Jesus, turn their backs on them to learn the mistakes from the Israelites. And so he'll call on them to encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today. And like Stephen said, um, if you look there at Hebrews 3 and verse 18, and he'll say, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. So we see that uh, they were not able to enter because of unbelief. His whole point is, is don't be like them. Don't be unbelieving like the Israelites were, don't be disobedient. They didn't get to enter the rest. And so if you're the Jew and you're hearing this, you might be tempted to say to the Hebrew writer, well, I don't even live in the land of promise. I don't even live in Jerusalem. Or I, you know, I'm, I live all the way over here in Pontus or whatever. Well, in chapter 4, he'll say, yeah, I'm not talking about that rest. I'm talking about the ultimate rest that is found in Jesus Christ. That's what we are risking losing if we do not get it together and obey and believe and put trust in Jesus. And so that's what chapter four is all about. Yeah, and so just to get straight to the point, uh, he makes the point in verse chapter four, verse eight. For if Joshua, that is Old Testament Joshua, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on through David in Psalm 95. Then verse nine, it says, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And so his application is, 
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So what's interesting is he says, you need to strive, like work hard (laughs) to enter the rest. Do the six day work so that you can get to the seventh day. And so as we look at this, just from a practical standpoint, I I do want to be clear. We've been talking about the Sabbath day, kind of the whole uh, time. I don't believe the Sabbath law from the Old Testament is still in force for Christians under the new covenant. I think Colossians chapter 2 makes that incredibly clear where he says not to let anyone pass judgment on you. I'll just read that real quick because this is true for the other Old Testament things as well. So this is Colossians 2.16. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come but the substance belongs to Christ. Mm-hmm. makes it pretty clear that these things were a shadow of what was to come and ultimately the rest that's found in Jesus. Right. So we, we do not have a Sabbath day in the same sense as the Jews did under the old law, but Jesus is our Sabbath. And we need to rest in him. We need to believe that he's going to give us rest and that he does, in a sense, now give us rest. Rest from our sins, rest from the guilt and shame that come along with those sins. Um, he gives us rest from meaningless labor. <laughs> we know that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. And there's a peace that comes from knowing the work that I'm doing in the Lord is actually productive, eternally productive work. So there's all sorts of ways in which Jesus is even giving us rest now, but all of that points to the final rest that's coming. And I love that Revelation, of course, we would be amiss if we didn't end up at the end of the Bible here. Um, But there's a promise kind of in the middle of the book that I think captures this idea in Revelation 14, verse 13. It says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. In, in the end of the Bible, we're told, listen, the things that are coming are true rest. If you die in the Lord, now we're still looking forward to resurrection. That's not The death is not the end. But beyond death and resurrection, there is rest. Finally, perfect, true, and everlasting rest. Just like God intended from the beginning, will actually be able to be at peace and not enslaved to a curse of the ground or the curse of our sin or any of the other things that don't let us rest. But in the end, we're finally looking forward to being able to truly relax and be with the Lord forever. And so that should motivate us to work hard. When you know that the you know, day off is coming or the vacation is ahead, what do you typically do? You work as hard as you can. I want to get as much out of this rest as I can. And so for that reason, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get all my work done so that I can enjoy that rest. And I think there's an application there for those who are listening who are Christians. Are you working for that rest? Are you pouring everything you have into this life for the kingdom of God so that that rest will truly be enjoyable? But the other thing we need to talk about is maybe some people who are listening that aren't Christians. Have you thought about what your rest will look like? Do you have the same kind of hope that the Christian has in the rest that's being promised through Jesus Christ? If not, why not seek the rest that is in Jesus? Why not listen to him and to take on his yoke 
um, and listen to him and find the true happy rest that's found in him. That That is ultimately what we're trying to get everyone to realize in this podcast. And I'll also say for Christians, there is a sense in which we ought to be enjoying the rest of Jesus now and realizing that we should work hard, but also that our salvation is not dependent on just our works. That's right. <laughs> it's by trusting in Jesus and resting in him. And so that's there's a real balance to all of this as we think about these concepts in the New Testament, but that Jesus has died and risen again to give us rest now. And that's just generally true of struggling with stress, struggling with just the, the hard things that we deal with in this life. But Jesus has come, not so that we can be stressed out like the rest of the world, but so that we can be resting in him. And yes, working hard for that rest, but all of it points back to Jesus. He's the one who gives us relief now and the one who gives us relief in the end. Yep. Amen. So, Lord willing, next week, we are going to continue in Genesis chapter 2. And it's going to kind of be a recap of some of the things that were mentioned on day 6. But it's going to like zero in and zoom in on the humans and talk about God's special creation of the humans and really what it means for them to be made in his image and how his relationship with them is a little bit different than than it was with the rest of creation. So, Lord willing... We'll finish chapter two next week. If you guys are enjoying what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review so we can reach more people. Um, We'd love to study the Bible with you. If you have questions about what you're hearing on the podcast, 717-585-0949 or email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information on group studies and worship, check us out at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.